Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am your host, Steve Risser, along with Justin D'Onofrio. And another really, really busy show we have. Obviously, uh, big week in college football. The college football rankings came out last night. I mean, you got uh, we got college basketball that opens today. We got a uh, uh, we got even baseball news with Charlie Morton. We, we got obviously the NBA, but we got to start with the NFL and. We got to start with an unfortunate story, though. One of the games tomorrow night on Thanksgiving night has been postponed between the Ravens and the Steelers. That game has now been moved to Sunday. We're not sure what time that game is yet, but this week the Ravens have came down with uh, 10 positive cases of, of COVID-19 in their organization uh, between players and coaches. And, uh, and some of the notable players, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Brandon Williams, uh, Pernell McPhee. So they have postponed that game to uh, Sunday. Some of the Steelers very upset. You saw Juju, you saw Smith-Schuster tweet, uh, tweeting out. I mean, he was upset because, you, you know, as we remember, the Steelers also had a game moved. Their, their bye week got moved because the Titans had that COVID outbreak. So this has also happened to the Steelers as well. So, but no matter how you feel about it, this is 2020. And I think the league did the right thing. I think, I think they did the right thing because you never know what could have, what could what could have happened. There could have been even more cases and, 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 and there could have been cases that there could have been positive cases yesterday. We're not even sure if this game's even going to play Sunday with all the positive cases that are coming, that are, that are happening with the Ravens. So Raven Steelers right now, it's, we don't know what time it is Sunday, but it won't be played Thanksgiving night. Yeah, it was the right move by the NFL, you know, with, Positive tests still coming in, you know, the day beforehand. You, you have to cancel it. Yeah. So if it doesn't turn into a whole team thing or even the Steelers get it. I know there's frustration on the Steelers part. It's the day before the game and all that. Um, but it, it's the right move. It's 2020. It's all, it's unfair. You know, everything that's going on, we just got to deal with it and just, you know, move on. But it, it's definitely the right call by the NFL. They made the right choice. And yeah, you know, um, it's the right move. Yeah, because I was thinking about it all week, and I and I was saying there's just no way they could play this game on Thursday when they have the, when they have the option of playing on Sunday. I mean, yeah, if this game was Sunday. Uh, you, you know, some of these games that are Sunday, yeah, you you isolate the players that that are that are connected to to the, to the players with COVID, and then you go from there. But having this be a Thursday night game, yeah, it's a little unfair to the Steelers. But if they had a chance to move it to to Sunday to to make sure everyone's safe. I, I would do that, and I think, and I think the league absolutely made the right move. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just, yeah, it, you said it. It keeps everybody safer out there. You know, the players, coaches, trainers, everybody part of both organizations just keeps everybody healthier. And especially at this time of year, you don't want anybody getting, you know, really sick from this, and you don't really want anybody getting in this right now. So, yeah, it's the right move by the NFL. Um, and yeah, because it's, it's the Thursday night definitely makes. Mo- definitely a lot more sense to just play it Sunday um, that you have the, you have a few days here to try to get everything settled down. Absolutely. Absolutely. But now that we're on this game and this is a very, very difficult game to pick because you don't know who's going to play with, with, with the COVID issues. I mean, I I, originally, I thought the Steelers would win this game by a couple scores because of all the guys the Ravens would have out. But now that the Ravens could potentially have some of those guys back, I think the game might be a little bit closer and there's more time to prepare for the Ravens. So I originally had the, the Steelers pretty much dominating this game, but now that the Ravens might get some guys back, I don't know who's going to play for the Ravens. So that's why this game is so hard to pick, but we pick games every week. We pick all the games. We'll pick this one. Uh, I, and I think this game now that it's played on Sunday, I think it's going to be a tough competitive uh, AFC North matchup. I'm going to change the score. I had it 27, 10, uh, uh, 
uh, bef- before they postpone the game, but I'm going to change. I'm going to say 27, 20 Steelers over the Ravens to stay undefeated. Yeah. I originally 24 to 20, uh, or I mean, 24 to 13. I originally had it at for this uh, Steelers win. Um, I'm going to, I'll, I'll go 27, se- I'll go 27 to 17. I still think, you know, cause I still don't know who's going to play the Ravens. I know they may get a couple of running backs. You know, I know most of their offensive lines out there right now that have COVID, you know, um, COVID issues. So um, I just haven't really liked the way Baltimore has been playing lately. Um, kind of passing, passing wise. And um, I think the Steelers should be able to win this one. I could definitely see it a lot closer because it's a big divisional game, but um, I think the Steelers still should be able to win this one. Yeah, I think one of the biggest issues with the Ravens is is they just they just have really no identity right now. Because last year you knew what they were, you, the, you knew what the Ravens were. They were going to run the ball and they were going to control the clock, keep their defense off the field, and that's something and that's something they did outside of the playoff game. That's something that they did better than anybody in, in the league last year. This year they haven't been as successful running the football because Mark Ingram just hasn't been as good. Uh, that that's a big reason, and and they just haven't been as successful running the football. And, and, and it showed, and it showed because their defense hasn't been able to, hasn't been, has been on the field more this year. And we saw last week when their defense was on the field, you saw the tackling, the tackling of AJ Brown last week was absolutely pathetic by the, by the Ravens and the week before the, the Patriots ran all over them. So their defense hasn't been as good and they haven't been able to run the football. And another big loss too is, is the two offensive linemen. They lost, uh, they lost Marshall Yonda retired before the season. And then they, they, they lost Ronnie Stanley for the entire, for the, for the year too. So. Off, uh, they, they they lost offensive linemen, haven't been able to run the ball as well, and Lamar just hasn't been as good of a quarterback. Those are all the factors to why they're a six and four football team right now, and they're currently out of the playoffs. Yeah, you know, and, and they're definitely right, and yeah, they're definitely in trouble. They're just yeah, it's not the same team. I think teams have kind of figured out a way to slow them down and to work, um, and defensively too. You know, I know they've been banged up a couple spots too all year, which has not helped them at all. But that tackling on AJ Brown there was. That was awful. That was some of the worst tackling I've seen. Um, but yeah, you know they're they, you know, they're in a lot of trouble already at six and four. I think they're you know, seven, six and five after Sunday's game against Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, you know it's just well, you know teams are starting to figure out. I feel like some of this off this offense that the Ravens run, and you know they haven't been able to be as successful by it and. You know, they got a nice breakout game from J.K. Dobbins um, Sunday. But, yeah, it's just not the same team right now for the Ravens, and there's a lot of worries right now. Absolutely not, absolutely not. So we'll get to the other two uh, Thanksgiving Day games, and we'll start in Detroit, how Thanksgiving always starts in Detroit at 1230 as the Texans head up to Detroit to face the Lions. And this is a game of two teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. These, these are These are two bad football teams. But both these teams have two – I want one as a really good quarterback. One still has a pretty good quarterback, but for the game, I think in this game, I think for the Texans, I think, you know, I think they'll be able to move the ball. I think, I think uh, Deshaun Watson will have a good game. I think they'll have some success running the football. I think the same thing for the lions, but not as much. Cause I think Stafford's a little bit banged up, but I do think the lions will have success running the football too. They will have Deandre Swift out, but I think, they, I think Adrian Peterson has a pretty good game. I think this game comes right down to the end. I, could, I think it comes right down to, the end, out, down to the end where Stafford has the ball in his hands to win the game. And I don't think he does it. And I got the Texans beating the Lions 26-21. And if the Lions lose, this will probably be the end for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Yeah, I got the uh, Texans going on the road as well, 27-24. Um, and I think, you know, for the Texans, they got a nice win against New England last week, even though 
Um, yeah, Watson played really, really well. Um, things are, you know, I think their D's going to be able to force some turnovers this week against Detroit. Um, but this is, a, you know, this is a team that they can, you know, I know the, the kind of for them this season's kind of a wash. They're not going to make the playoffs or anything. But if they can kind of figure out their defense and all that, you know, they still have tons of pieces on the offensive side of the ball. They got to get a rushing game going. Um, they could potentially against a poor Lions rush defense right now, but I think Detroit's going to be able to score some points this week. They had the ball in um, Carolina's territory last time, or last week. Thirty, They ran 30 plays inside Carolina's territory last week, but got zero points off of it, um, which is, you know, again, just cannot happen. I know they had a missed field goal and all that, but that can't happen. They should be able to score some points this week, but not enough to beat the Texans. We got a big matchup on Thanksgiving in Dallas, always the traditional game in Dallas on Thanksgiving as the Washington football team heads down to Dallas to, to face the Cowboys. And I think this is going to be a really, really, really close competitive NFC's battle. I think, you know, on Washington's side of the ball, I think Terry McLaurin's going to have a good, even though he's a little banged up, I think Terry McLaurin's going to have a good game against that Cowboys secondary. I think McKissick and Gibson will get enough yards rushing against the, against the, the, the Cowboys defense. And I do think Dalton does make some plays getting the ball to CD lamb and uh, Amari Cooper. I think Zeke has, has a good game on the ground, but I think the difference in this game is going to be two things. I think that Alex Smith is going to make less mistakes than Andy Dalton. I think Dalton has a turnover or two and, and Smith will make less mistakes. And I think the pressure of the Redskins is going to get to Andy Dalton and it's, and it's going to, and it's going to force those mistakes. I think the pressure of Montez sweat and chase young, that's going to get to Andy Dalton. That's going to, and that's going to force those mistakes. And I got Washington in a, in a close one. They beat him earlier in the year. They crushed him down in, uh, in DC, but I got Washington in a close one. I got Washington 23, 20 over the Cowboys. I get Dallas pulling it out 24, 20. Um, and I, and, and for me, I think, um, that I, you know, I think Dallas played better last week. They kind of responded. I, you know, and finally McCarthy kind of figured out during the bye that he has one of the best running backs in the league because he, you know, they ran, you know, um, it was about 50 50 passing running wise. So I think they figured that out. I think they'll be able to run the ball against this Texans, I mean, against this um, Washington team. And I think, you know, I think Dalton makes enough plays for him to win. Um, I like the way Dallas defense played as well last week. And I think, you know, again, they, they um, played even better this week. And I think, you know, I think Dallas will be able to steal the win and take the division lead. And the crazy thing is if the season ended right now, both these teams have a top five NFL pick, but the winner of this game is going to be in the lead in division, which is pretty insane. Um, but I'll take Dallas to win at 24, 20 in a close one. Yeah, that that is, that is obviously that is, that is crazy. That, that yeah, they have a top pick five pick right now, but the winner would would win the division. And if you if Dallas wins this game, I think they might be in the driver's seat to win the NFC East because you look at their upcoming schedule outside of the Baltimore game, which is going to be a tough game. Right after the, the Thursday, right after that, they got they uh they got they go to Cincinnati, which probably will be with Brendan, which will be with Brendan Allen or Ryan Finley. They uh, play the 49ers, which will be still be a tough game, but with Nick Mullins. Uh, and then they got the Eagle, they got the Eagles and the Giants. So Dallas's schedule is really, really favorable if they win this game against Washington. And if you look at the other team schedules, the, the Eagles schedule is absolutely brutal uh, down the stretch. They got they got to play the Seahawks. They got to play the uh, they got to play the Packers. They got to play the Saints. They got to play the Cardinals. If you look at the Giants schedule, they still got to play the Ravens. If they have to go to Baltimore and Seattle and even Washington, they got to they still got to play Pittsburgh and Seattle. So if Dallas wins this game, they got to they got they. 
they, they, the Dallas wins this game. They are the favorite to win the division because of the schedule that they have. Yeah, definitely. They don't really have, you know, really besides and and they go into Baltimore Thursday night. They're going to have the advantage now because they're going to have the whole week off. While Baltimore is only going to have the normal Sunday to Thursday rest, so they get a little advantage there already. But yeah, you know, you get San Francisco team at home that's really banged up. They definitely would, and you know, I guess it's credit to McCarthy and that coaching staff and the players. The you know, after last week, really coming out and look like they got a lot. You know, they played better. Um, but definitely, they'd be, definitely be in the driver's seat, which you asked me that three weeks ago before the Steelers game. I said to you, you know, you're crazy. But look at, you know, you're playing better. But I guess that's what happens too when you're in the NFC East this year. Absolutely. Going from one a couple of NFC East teams to another NFC East team, my Giants have a game against the Bengals, which is an absolute must win. There is no way – there's no way the Giants can lose this game and Dave Gettleman could keep his job. But before that, we'll talk about Joe Burrow and just the awful injury he suffered on Sunday, uh, torn ACL and MCL, plus more knee damage. You just hate to see that from a player that, that is that is so talented and had a really, really good rookie season. You know, he brought excitement and hope to the Bengals fan base. And now you see an injury, which could take a while for him to recover from. You just hate to see that. You hate to see Burrow get hurt like that. Definitely. You know, it's, it's so unfortunate. It's so terrible to see which such a great year he's been having and really was a huge part of why you know the Bengals have the two wins he was you know um really led them to those victories and yeah it, it definitely seems to see him go down because you know unfortunately you know it could take up the year for need to fully heal so it, you know you hate to say it but his season could be in jeopardy for next year which you know thinks to uh, not be able to have, see him on the field because, yeah, um, he's been a special talent this year. And, you can see, you know, um, and being, you know, since I, you know, an Ohio kid trying to lead the Bengals back, you know, it's so unfortunate to see. It sure is. It sure is. But we'll look at the Giants now. At, at obviously at three and seven, this is with with the Brendan Allen starting. This is a game. This is a must win game for the Giants. I mean, and and now the good news is too they're they're going to get uh they're going to get Xavier McKinney back and they're going to get uh, O'Shane Simenez back. So Simenez is definitely going to improve their uh their their outside pass rush and getting uh I'm going to be interested. I'm really excited to see uh uh Xavier McKinney. I'm really really excited just to, to see him too. So I don't know how many how many snaps he's going to have on Sunday because his first game back, but I'm really excited to see him too. For the game, I think the Giants uh, control this game from start to finish. I think they control it in the run game with Alfred Morris, with uh, with 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 Alfred Morris and Wayne Gallman. I think that they run a couple zone reads with with Daniel Jones. That's been really really working the the last couple of weeks. Uh, and and I think I think you know the, uh, they'll be able to run the ball, so that'll set up play action with Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. I think they'll have big games. I think the Giants get in the 30s in this game. And on defense, I think the Giants do do a really good job getting pressure on Brendan Allen. And, and making like difficult for him. I think they stopped the run because Joe Mixon is out too. I think this game isn't even as close as the final score that I'm predicting is. I think the Bengals might get a garbage time, garbage time touchdown late. I got the Giants winning their third in a row. I got them beating the Bengals 31-17. Yeah, I get the Giants as well, 27-14. Um, you know, without, yeah, with um, Brandon Allen now getting, or I'm not, I'm not mean, I mean, um, Brian Finley. Um, starting for the Bengals, I'm thinking, um, but, um, and it, you know, Wayne Gallman's been great on the ground. I think great three straight 100 yard rushing games for the Giants. So they're starting to really run the ball. Well, um, uh, coming off the bye, Daniel Jones coming off two straight games without a turnover. 
again, you know, maybe he's turned that corner now, but they really shouldn't have any issues, especially the way they point on defense. They should, they, it's going to be a very long day, especially, yeah, you said no Joe Mixon for him. Um, it, life's going to – they're going to make life very challenging for the Bengals to be able to move the ball. Uh, Giants should win by two scores. Yeah, you know when Justin picks the Giants to win by two scores, the Giants better win that game because Justin rarely ever picks the Giants. So you yeah. know you know the Giants got to win that game if if uh, if just if Justin uh, if if Justin's picking them to win that game. And here I just have a question for you. You watch I know Brandon Allen, he started three games in Denver last year. He went one and two in, in those three games. I mean, he beat the beat the Browns in that game in, in the his first start. Then he lost to the Vikings and then he lost to the Bills. Uh you watched him play in college. What challenge do you think he's going to present to the Giants' defense? Uh, no, okay, I was okay. I at first said it was Brandon Allen, and I thought then I said Finley, but I forgot they bench Finley. Well, um, he's not much of a scrambler. He's a pocket passer. He's got a decent arm. You know, he's been in the NFL for six years. Hasn't gotten a ton of or four years. He was drafted out of Arkansas. Hasn't got a ton of starts. Got a pretty good arm. Um, but you know, he's not one of these new school pass rush are guys that are going to um, run all over you or anything, um, which benefits the Giants. Um, but if you take care of the ball, you know, he's got some receivers. So I did like him at Arkansas. He kind of got there at the, you know, and they ran kind of a pro style, you know, under Brett Bielma. But I think that, you know, Giants should be able to take care of him. And, you know, um, you know, he, he, he can, you know, uh, he, yeah, just really a pocket passer, really. And that, and that's good for the what the and that and that offensive line is terrible. So that, that I think the Giants are going to be able to get pressure and stop the run too. Uh, that's why I don't think the defense is really going to have a problem in this game. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, um, but yeah, we, we saw with that line, they just they haven't been able to block all year, and it's definitely advantage for the Giants that Brandon Allen's really not a guy that can move very well. No, 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 he is not. But we gotta go. We gotta head to the. We gotta head to the next game. And Kyler Murray heads the. Takes the Cardinals out east, uh, and the Cardinals will face the Patriots in Foxborough on Sunday. And uh, for this game, I think the Patriots front seven is absolutely terrible. It showed it last week against the Texans when they could get no pressure at all, at all against Deshaun Watson. And I think it's the same thing this week. I think that uh, Drake has a big day on the ground. I think Kyler Murray has a big day running the ball and throwing the ball, even though that Steph, even though Stefan Gilmore will probably be on DeAndre Hopkins. I still think DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a big game because Stefan Gilmore hasn't been as good this year. So I, I don't think the Cardinals have a problem moving the ball against, against the Patriots. And for the Patriots, I do think they move the ball a little bit against the Cardinals. I think Cam Newton has a decent game, but I think he turns the ball over a couple of times. I don't think they have as much success running the ball as, as, as they've had in recent weeks. Isaiah Simmons is, is playing, really, playing really, really well for the Cardinals recently. Isaiah Simmons had a big game on uh, last Thursday night. And with and with 10 days off to prepare for the Patriots, I got the Cardinals winning 30-20 to 20 over the Patriots. Yeah, I got the Cardinals 28-23 over the Pats. Um, it was a great start for the Pats last week. It drove it right down the Texans' throat with the run game, and then we just abandoned it. And Cam Newton is now 0 for 10 in his NFL career when he's got a 10 to 40 or more passes. So there, I don't understand why we tried throwing the ball 40 times against that Texans defense. I know their secondary, you know, I know Bill said, well, we did throw the ball for 350, 50 yards, but, you know, we still lost. And Cam's not really a guy that, you know, they're not great when they had to throw the ball 40 times. You know, it, they're just not 
And then, yeah, our, our defense – and in the, the few times that we actually did get pressure on Deshaun Watson, he just ran. We just – you know, there were just lanes for him to run run through. Um, it was just disappointing, I guess. You know, even though now it like, looks like the Ravens aren't good as they've been, you know, you come off that great Sunday night home win against the Ravens and you just, you know, didn't play well um, offensively or, or defensively. And um, – I think Trez Hall was our highest rated um, player by um, PF, PPF. And that's not um, a good sign when he's your highest rated player. And, yeah, he only had 17 snaps. And, you know, at, at linebacker, I think he's better than Juwan Bentley. I want to see him start over Bentley this week. I don't think that's going to happen. But um, their tackling's got to get better. They weren't great at that again. Um, Demir Bird stepped up. He had 126 yards. And now he's going to play as his former team. So, I don't know. Hopefully he can have a big game and help out, but I don't, I don't really see it. And especially with Murray now, he's got 10 days. You can definitely see last Thursday his shoulder wasn't right. And now he's, you know, 10 days of heel. I think he should be fine. And I, you know, Arizona won last time they came up to five four. I think it was. I remember that 2012. I remember that they, uh, they defeated him like 20 to 18 or so 20 to 18. I think. Yeah. It was a shocking game. Cause everybody thought the Patriots win that game big. Cause you guys, yeah. that came, that was, that was the year after you lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl and you guys won the first game and then Arizona came in and shocked you guys. Yeah. Kevin Cobb beat Tom Brady. Yeah. And then, in, and then in 16, that was Garoppolo shocked that shocked the Cardinals when he won that, when he won his first start. I remember that. Yeah. That, yeah, that Sunday night game. Yeah. I think Sandra Chandler Jones had a big game. If I remember. Correctly. I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. Like three or four sacks, I believe. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, they've had success last time they came here and I think they'll win two straight at five, bro. We got an AFC South matchup in Indianapolis, a big game between two seven and three teams. And let's be honest, these are two seven and three teams that I haven't really, that I have not been high on this year. We got the seven and three Titans against the seven and three Colts. Both are really, really good teams. And I think this is going to be a really, really close competitive game. I think the Colts are good at stopping the run, but in the last matchup, uh, Derrick Henry had a really good game against them. I think he does that again. I think Derrick Henry, I mean, he's, the best running back in the league should be an MVP candidate. He's outstanding. Uh, I think for the Colts, I think they'll be able to run the ball too. I think I will be able to run the ball with whoever at the hot hand. As you saw last week, is if it's uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Nakeem Hines, or uh, Jordan Wilkins, whoever has the hot hand, uh, the, 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 the that's who the Colts use in their running game. And I think it's a close, competitive game. But I'm going to take the team with the better quarterback, and I'm going to go with the Titans in the upset. I'm going to go with the Titans, 27-24 over the Colts. I'm going to Colts, um, same score, 27-24, but I'll, just, I'll take the Colts instead. Um, I, you know, I know they, they probably should have lost the Packers last week. The Packers pretty much keen in on that ball game. Um, but I just don't like the t- Titans. And, you know, I hope they make changes from the last game because they let Phillip get every five, six-yard completion that he wanted. Um, I hope they think, change things up. But I think, you know, the Colts, again, um, they do something on special teams – to kind of take advantage of the, you know, the poor special teams that the Titans have, um, probably the worst in the league. I think they make a play on special teams to win this game. I think Phillip makes enough plays for the, for the Colts. I just, I don't trust their defense. And as long as the Colts can get out in front where Titans kind of have to take Henry out of the game. So they have to throw the ball. Um, I think it's an advantage for the Colts. And I think they'll be able to do that at home Sunday afternoon. 
We have an interconference matchup down in Atlanta as the Raiders head to Atlanta to face the Falcons. And I think this is going to be a fun, just like a lot of Raider games are, a fun, high-scoring game. Jacobs has a big day on the ground. Carr has a big day through the air. But on the other side, I think that uh, Matt Ryan has a big day too, uh, get, getting the ball to uh, – get the ball to Calvin Ridley. I think, I think Ty Gurley has a pretty good game too. I think it's back and forth. It's close, but I'm going to go with the Raiders to go to seven and four. And I got the Raiders beating the Falcons 31 28. Yeah. I have the Raiders as well. Um, I think that, you know, coming off that tough loss on the road, I mean, at home against the chiefs, you know, they, you know, um, again, it's tough to slow down uh, uh, Pat Mahomes on the final drive of the game. But I think, you know, again, I didn't like like the way the Falcons played last week um, against New Orleans. Their offense really did not do much at all. And I think it's kind of going to be this. I think, you know, Atlanta definitely scored some points this week. You know, I could even see him being out, being out ahead in this game going third, fourth quarter. But I, I see Derek Carr making enough plays to come back. I think they'll be able to establish a run game with um, Josh Jacobs. And I'm going to take the Raiders to go on the road and win at 31-27. Got an AFC matchup up in Buffalo as the three and seven Chargers head to up to Buffalo to face the seven and three Bills. And I think this game is going to be a, another fun, high-scoring game. I think Josh Allen has a big day through the air. I think they have a little bit of success on the ground, too, with Devin Singletary, even though he hasn't played, though, this year. And I think for the Chargers, I think Balazs and Justin Jackson have success against the Bills' run team because the Bills have had trouble stopping the run this year. But I think the difference in this game, is the, though, is, is that Josh Allen is going to drive down and the Bills are going to get touchdowns, and Justin Herbert is going to drive down the field and the Chargers are going to get field goals. And that's going to be the difference. And I got the Bills beating the Chargers 31-23. Yeah, I get the Bills pretty close to you. I got them winning 30-23. to 20, 30, um, Again, I think, you know, Bills are going to be able to score a lot of points. I think, you know, both teams have the chance to. Um, you know, the Chargers start out so fast. They did it again last week against the Jets, and then they, they let the Jets came around, and the Jets had a chance to go down, down and score and go tie the game up. So, um, again, I could definitely see, you know, like usual, Chargers kind of get up, get in front of this game and, and take a lead, but – I definitely see the Bills coming back. Um, I think, yeah, this is a game where they can kind of get their ground game going. Um, you know, early kickoff for the Chargers, I believe, is their last time coming on the East Coast this year. Um, and I'm going to take the Bills to get the win. I hope they're off by 30-23. NFC matchup in Minnesota of two four-win teams as the Panthers head up to Minnesota to face the Vikings. And I think I – don't, I don't really care who plays quarterback for the Panthers, if it's Bridgewater or if it's Walker. I still think they're going to move the ball – with um, I mean with with Davis and the, and the receive, two receivers have good games. A uh, uh, more uh, uh, DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson have big games. And I think for the Vikings, I think it's a big day for Dalvin Cook on the ground. He's been he's been great uh, lately, and I think he has another great game on the ground. I think Thielen and Jefferson have good days through the air. I think it's a high scoring game, but I'm going to go with the Vi- the home team, the Vikings, to beat the Panthers 31-24. I'm going with the Panthers. I'm going 24-21. I just I don't get the Vikings. Um, last week, I, you know, you, you you love your boy Matt Rule, but you were right last week. I'll give you that. Yeah, uh, you know, PJ Walker was not great. You know, um, did did he play for Matt Rule? Yeah, he did at Temple. Okay, and Robbie Anderson did too, right? Robbie, did, I think Robbie Anderson did also play at Temple. Yeah, he did. He played at Temple. Yeah, he's yeah. from Temple. Yeah, so um, fifth year, yeah. So, yeah, I think he probably I, – I forgot about Robbie Anderson. So, yeah, so both of them uh, know each other very well, and it seemed to, uh, you know, seemed to pan out. And I think he'll do enough again, again, against a weak, very 
Yeah, thank you, Joe. Joe, in the private comments. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get to Steen. You know, one week, you know, the Bears they play very well. I know it's a very bad Bears deep uh, offense, but still, um, I don't, I don't trust the Vikings defense. I really don't. I think Carolina does enough. I don't think CMC is going to play again this week, but I think they do enough with Mike Davis on the ground game, and I'm going to take Carolina to go to five and seven. Let me explain the Vikings too. Okay, they're, I know they're four and six. I mean, they got off obviously to, to a horrible start, but let's just be real about the Vikings. Their defense just isn't go- isn't good this year. I mean, they lost you know they lost uh, two of their best pass rushers uh, with uh, with they don't have they don't have Daniel Hunter anymore. He's one of the, one of their best pass rushers or Everson Griffin. So they lost two of their best pass rushers. They traded Yankton Dakwe, another one of their another one of their pass rushers at corner. They lost one of their best corners in Xavier. Even though they didn't have a great year last year, they lost one of their best corners in in Xavier Rhodes. And yes, they went on that winning streak, but. If you could remember that game they beat the Packers, the wind was whipping. It was like 20-mile-an-hour winds, and Dalvin Cook controlled the games. That was a big reason they won that game. Detroit, they're Detroit. They, they're, they're not good. That's why, they, that's why they beat them. And then the Bears, you don't you, – I mean, listen, I don't care how bad the defense is. That Bears offense isn't scoring on anyone. That Bears offense is absolutely pathetic. They're absolutely terrible. So they're able to win that game. And then, and then you know, the, the, the Cowboy game, a lot of people thought they were going to win. Uh you know, the, the but the Cowboys came in with a bye, and they and they executed on offense, and, and they moved the ball against a, a bad uh, Vikings defense. And then at the end, Kirk Cousins didn't come through at the end of the game. And Kirk Cousins, let's be real this year too, he's regressed. He is a below average quarterback in the league. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, you're definitely right. You know, and um, I just actually just saw that Teddy Bridgewater will start on a Sunday. Okay, okay. So he is back. So now I, I feel more confident about the Panthers pick. But yeah, you know, their their defense. Definitely not the same from, you know, the last few years for the Vikings. Um, you know, Cousins played well Sunday, but he hasn't been great all year. That Bears offense, yeah, it's pretty awful. But I thought coming off the bye, I know the opponents weren't great, but I, I thought I, you know, saw some progress like we did, and it just kind of just, to me, kind of just fell apart last week in Dallas. And I just, I don't trust them. And I, you know, I think now with Teddy's back, I think they'll make enough plays to not def- definitely knock off the uh, Vikings at home. Should be a good, should be a good game. Should be a good game. But we got an AFC East matchup at the Meadowlands as the Dolphins travel up to the Meadowlands to face the winless Jets. And first, I'll talk about the game. Then, second, we'll talk about the decision, the weird decision by Brian Flores to bench Tua. But first, with the game, I think in this game, uh, Miami will. I think they'll bounce back. I think Tua will play pretty well. I think Miami will control the game. I think Sam Darnold will be back. He'll make some plays. Like the Jets will have, have some success running the ball with Frank Gore. P. Ryan being out is big because the Jets, they have that, that two, that two, that uh, P. Ryan uh, Gore combination have been working the last couple games. Uh, but I think that in this game, I think the Dolphins force a couple Darnold turnovers. I think, you know, Tua doesn't make any mistakes. And I got the Dolphins going to 7 and 4, Jets going to 0 and 11. I got the Dolphins winning 27 16 over the Jets. And here's my take on the on the whole on the whole uh, Tua situation. And he, yes, he got yeah, he got benched in his first career loss. But he, here's the thing. Brian Flores, to his credit, has pushed all the right buttons. The Tua decision, I didn't understand it at the beginning, but it worked, as you saw. They were three and three. You thought they were playing really well, but then two weeks later, they beat the Cardinals. You understand that move. For me, I really don't understand benching a quarterback in the in, in the middle of a competitive game. You're starting quarterback. You're I know you're you're down ten points. He's taken a beating. He was sacked six times. He was pressured on half of his dropbacks. But I still don't understand benching your starting quarterback in that situation. But looking, but here's where I could understand it a little bit. Looking at the two games they have left, the Jets they they, they have next the Jets and the Bengals, two teams that are not very good. Where Tua could is where Tua is not going to lose his confidence. 
I could I could understand the move. And I have a trouble criticizing Brian Flores because he made one weird move earlier in the season, and it worked. And it's tough for me not to see this move working either. I mean, I, I, there, you heard Dan Orlovsky. He couldn't stand the move. He thought there's no way you should bench your starting quarterback in the middle of a game. And, tradi- and traditionally, that's been the way it is. Once you make that guy your starter, you should. I mean, yeah, if you're if you're getting if it's like a thirty point blow and you want to sit him, that's fine. But once you make that guy your starter, he should be your starter all the way. But yeah, okay. Flores made Flores made a weird move where uh, they be- they benched him. Fitzpatrick played pretty well, but he didn't get the he didn't drive him down the field at the end of the game. Two will be starting this week, so we'll see what ends up happening there. Yeah, um, I'll start yeah, with the benching there. Yeah, it, it was definitely a weird move. I thought at first he was hurt because I know he was battling a foot injury all week in practice. So that's what I thought at first until I heard that they actually benched him. Um, it, it's definitely a weird move, especially it's kind of you know don't you want to you know kind of see how he plays from behind here and have to try to lead you back in the game so we can get that experience and learn, you know, because really for the Dolphins, this is kind of house money year. I know they're sitting there at six and four, but nobody thought they'd be six and four at this point. So um, I definitely thought it was a weird move, you know, um, definitely learning experience in a guy like Tua too. He's not going to, you know, yeah, he's going to bounce back from it. So he's going to work from it. You know, he's not going to, you know, He's not pouting from it and all that, you know. Um, you know, I know it was a tough game for him, but it's definitely a weird decision. But you are right, you know, Flores has definitely hit all the right buttons. And to have this team at six and four, you know, is, uh, you know, just goes to show, you know, that he's been really good so far as a head coach in his first two years in the NFL um, to the game now. And no, no, Joe made a comment. Let's be honest. They're not, they're, they aren't good enough to go all the way. No. Makes sense to let Tua take his lumps and learn. And I feel, and I, I completely agree with that. I think you should let him take his lumps and learn. I don't think you should be putting Fitzpatrick in that game. You don't want to mess with his head, but, but it's just hard for me to question Brian Flores right now, seeing, seeing the, seeing the success he's had with this Dolphins team. So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent with the fact that you want Tua to, to, to take his lumps and learn and everything, but but also, Brian Flores has had success, so I have trouble criticizing him. But still, yeah, I, I, it's a weird move. He's made some weird moves this year. We'll see if they end up working out. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has that move. Yeah, it's definitely very questionable. I didn't think it was the right call. It is what it is. It's, um, you know, I guess he didn't really push the right button that one because, you know, they didn't win the game. Fitzpatrick couldn't win the game. Um, but over to the game now, I get to the uh, Dolphins go on the road 20-13 over the Jets. Um, I think, you know, two bounce back, they play well. Um, and I think, you know, they run the Dolphins, run the ball well enough, keep the Jets off the field. And, you know, Darnold comes back, could be a little bit more progress, maybe for the Jets. Um, they, but, again, you know, they, they've had chances the last two games. They've played better. They, you know, they, they probably should have beat the Patriots, and they had a chance to go down and take the lead against the Chargers in the last few minutes last week. So, this team's playing a little bit better. I know – Patriots right now aren't great, and so are the Chargers, but kind of see some progress, but the Dolphins should win this game by two scores. Got an AFC matchup down in Jacksonville as the 7-3 and three Browns head down to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars, and this should be another game where Baker Mayfield has to do absolutely nothing for the Browns to win. I think he just hand the ball to Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They'll run all over the Jaguars' defense. I think that Mike Lennon will make some plays because Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett are out, but he's going to make mistakes. Mistakes. He's going to turn the ball over a couple times. And I got the Browns winning twenty-eight to thirteen over the Jacks. Yeah, I got uh, Cleveland winning this one, twenty-seven seventeen. 
think Cleveland's five and zero this year against teams or six and zero teams that are under five hundred, and they're one and three against teams that are over five hundred. So it kind of tells you the story. They'll take care of business here on the road um, in Jacksonville. But yeah, that that combination of of um, Hunt and in uh, um, Chubb right now has really been great for the team. They really have an identity in that. That Baker won't have to do much. Um, I believe Miles Garrett is still out this week, but they should still get tons of pressure on Mike Lennon. Um, they may, you know, make a couple of plays offensively, but just not enough. I could definitely see a game somehow where the Browns do lose this. Like, just I could see somehow, but I, I would be very shocked. I think that the Browns should be able to take care of business against the Jaguars. We got a huge game this week down in Tampa as the as the Chiefs travel down to Tampa to face the Buccaneers, a struggling Buccaneer team who's lost two of their last three games. Tom Brady has struggled in two of his last three games as well. And for this game, I do think the Buccaneers, I don't think they win, but I think they match up pretty well with the Chiefs because if you look at the Bucs' record when they've ran for over 100 yards, their record is 4-1. and one. When they haven't, they're 3-3. and three. So they're, they're a different team when they're able to get that run game going. I think they're going to be able to get the run game going this week with with uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. And that's going to set up play action and set up easier throws for Tom Brady, where, you know, he's not forced to, you know, throw these deep, deep, throw these long passes that Bruce Arians wants him to do. There's no risk and no biscuit, which is not working at all, which I'll get to that. Uh, but I think that the, I think that the Bucks do move the ball against, against the chiefs, but you know, you're, when you're playing the chiefs, you know, they're going to move the ball too. And they're, and, and Patrick Mullins is going to have a big day against this, this, uh, this, Buck secondary. I think Mahomes has a, you know, Tyreek Hill has a big game. Travis Kelsey has a big game. I think the Chiefs get in the 30s. And I think two, the biggest difference is the biggest difference in this game is going to be Mahomes exposing the Buck secondary and Chris Jones getting interior pressure on Tom Brady late in the game. And I think that's going to be the difference. And I got the Chiefs beating the Bucks 34 28. Yeah, I got the Chiefs going on the road 34 31. Um, you know, this should be a real good one. And yeah, I know. And I, I think, you know, for Brady, he has, you know, nine picks already through 11 games this year. And he only had eight all of last year. You know, he's 0 for 19 through week eight through 11. Um, when he's had to throw the ball more than 15 yards with three interceptions. And I, I think one of the big things for Brady right now is I think he misses his safety valves. You know, I think he misses the James White, the Julian Edelman's, the Rex Burkhead. Because Ronald, um, I mean, you know, yeah, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette really, um, they drop footballs and they don't really have that guy. They don't have that doing them in a wide receiver. They just run deep routes. And I think that's been a huge factor in why Brady's show, again, you know, and also throwing the deep ball because Brady's not 30 anymore. He's 43. You know, his, his arm, his arm's not the same. Um, but I think, you know, for, for the Chiefs, I think, you know, Pat Mahomes should be able to just throw all over this Kansas City defense. You know, I, I definitely t- think Tampa keeps it close because Kansas City defense isn't great either. It's better, but still not great. And I think KC goes on the road and gets a win. And Mahomes moves a 2-1 versus Brady. There's three reasons that Brady is struggling. One of them is he's just not as good as anymore. That's obvious. Yeah. He's just not the same quarterback he was three years ago. That's obvious. The second one is what Bruce Arians is doing on offense. And what Bruce Arians is doing is not good at all. The, uh, the, the game plan in this New Orleans games was disgraceful. To run the ball five times, that's, that was a terrible game plan. And I know Brady played awful too, but Arians' game plan was terrible against the Saints. And then if you go, if you go to the game on uh, 
on, on Monday night, they were, again, they were just throwing the ball down the field too many times. The last four weeks, Brady is 0 for 19 and throws uh, 20 yards or more down the field. They need to stop this. No risk it. No, it's 0 for 19 with three interceptions. They need to stop this. No risk it. No biscuit. Get back to throw, throw uh, three-step drop, getting the ball to Ronald Jones in the passing game. That's what they, that's what they got to start doing. Just like you did in New England with James White. They got to start doing that. My last reason is, I don't think Antonio Brown was a good move. And the reason why is Scotty Miller was playing pretty well. As you say, he doesn't have that Julian Edelman, that slot guy, Julian Edelman or Wes Walker. Scotty Miller was that guy early in the season for the Buccaneers. In the games, the, the Bucs didn't run the ball well. In the games against the Raiders and the games against the Broncos, Scotty Miller had, had big games in those games. He had over 100 yards receiving against the Raiders, and he had close to over 100 yards receiving against the Broncos. Scotty Miller fit with Tom Brady. And them getting Antonio Brown has forced them to take Scotty Miller off the field. And that and that has been and that has been a problem for the Bucks. So I didn't like the Antonio Brown signing at all. Yeah, actually, as you go back, to too, yeah, because he was a guy I liked at the beginning. Yeah, he's he hasn't done much at all lately. Um, but yeah, you know, and again, I, I you know, Bruce, you know, I think in the big difference between Bill and Arians is you know, Bill kind of tailors to what. He's Taylor's to what? That's why Belichick's one of the greatest coaches to ever coach. He play, he puts a game planning to fit his players' strengths. Why Arians is an above-average coach at best is he does what he wants to do, no matter what his players' strengths and weaknesses are. And it, that's why it's, it's not working the way it should be in Tampa right now. And it doesn't adjust. And, you know, this is, you know, Andrew Luck was, you know, when he was there in Indianapolis, had the most interceptions in the league. James Winston had the most interceptions. He just, you know, he just never adjusts to what – would help his team better. And, and that's kind of why he hasn't, you know, you know, why they haven't had that success. Um, you know, he definitely misses that safety valve this year. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that guy. They, they, I think they, you know, Brady needs that guy and he really likes that guy. We've seen it, you know, I think James White um, was, it, it was a few years ago. I think they like, caught like 90 passes in a year, like as a running back, it's just, you know, he needs that safety valve and that's kind of his big thing. So, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I wonder if Brady's starting to miss Belichick a little bit. Oh, I think he, I think he's a little bit. I mean, Belichick misses him too. I think they both miss oh, each yeah. other. I, I think, I think, I think that's that's true on both ends. But we got to move on to another game. We got to move on to another matchup, an interconference matchup in Denver as Taysom Hill and the Saints face uh, Drew Locke and the Broncos. And in this game, I feel like the, the Saints are going to be able to control in the run game with with Taysom Hill, with Latavius Murray, and with Alvin Kamara. I think that they're going to be able to get pressure on Drew Locke, force a turnover. I don't think the Saints scored 30 points on uh, on on Chazem Hill's account. I think there's maybe as a pick six, Drew Locke throws. But I got the Saints winning this, and I got the Saints winning by two scores. I got the Saints beating the Broncos 30 to 16. I had a very low score. I got it 20 to 14. I just think, um, you know, Saints are keep on the ground. I think, you know, time of possession. Um, and I think Broncos try to do the same thing. I You know, Drew Locke kind of protect the football. Um, which again, he has not been able to do. They they have a chance. Um, yeah, I know the Saints usually aren't good when they go to cold weather places, but I you know I think they're much better at ball club than than the Broncos right now. Um, even without breathe, I I really like the way Hill played. I was surprised they went with Hill instead of Watts with uh, yeah uh, I mean Winston, but it panned out and it, and it worked out for him. Um, I think it, he does enough, and they'll be able to. Beat the Broncos out. Um, beat the Broncos on the road. 
NFC West matchup in L.A. as the 49ers travel to L.A. to face the Rams. And this Rams defense is, is really good. I think it's the second-best defense in the league uh, outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think they're, they're going to show it on Sunday. I think they're going to shut Nick Mullins down. Trent Williams is probably not going to play. I think he's on the COVID-19 reserve list. So they're going to get pressure on Mullins. They're going to shut down the run game. And I think on offense, the Rams' offense will do enough. They'll be able to, they'll be able to run the ball. The Niners' defense will give them a little bit of trouble, but not enough trouble. And I got the Rams getting revenge over the 49ers. I got the Rams winning 23-10 to 10 over the Niners. Yeah, I got the Rams at home getting getting the win twenty three to fourteen. Um, right now, it's like you know this NFC. What I mean, the whole NFC right now. It's just one week, one team wants to be the top seed. The next week, it's somebody else. But right now, it looks like the Rams could be that best team right now. Even though you know, do you trust Jerry Goff enough in the playoffs? But I think yeah, the Rams will do enough um, defensively. I think they're gonna get pressure as. You know, especially Trent Williams does not play for the Niners. Um, definitely, I think Aaron Aaron Donald could have a huge impact in this game. Um, they do enough in the ground game for the Rams. I think they, you know, make it difficult for Nick Bowles and the Niners to move the ball with everybody they have out. Um, and they'll take the Rams to go to eight and three. We got the Sunday night game. And here's a proposal. If you're the NFL at this point, get this game out of Sunday night football and put the Ravens Steelers Sunday night now. Get this game. And nobody wants to watch this yeah. Bears offense on Sunday night football. It's absolutely terrible. It's absolutely pathetic. Their GM needs to be fired. He got he didn't keep dressed Mitch Trubisky over uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. This Bears offense is absolutely pathetic. So if I was the NFL, I'd get it out of Sunday night football, but I don't think they are. So this will be the Sunday night game. And I think this game is a blowout. I think that the even though the Bears have a good defense, I like think the Packers, you know, Bear Rodgers has a good game against it with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones has a good, pretty good game on the ground. I think Rodgers throws two or three touchdown passes. And the Bears are so pathetic offensively. They can't they, they honestly the last couple of weeks they've been as bad as the Jets or maybe worse than the Jets. They can't run the ball at all. Nick Foles is an average to blow average quarterback at best. They can't protect him. They got one good skill skill guy in Allen Robinson. I got the Packers big. I got I got the Packers. 31-13 over the Bears. I got Packers 27-13. And that's actually – I actually like that. Yeah, I didn't think about that yet. I, I They definitely should flex that out for Baltimore, Pittsburgh. I know Baltimore has four losses, but still it's more intriguing than this game. Um, how do you have 149 total yards in a National Football League game? They scored six points on offense Yeah, because they scored 13, but they, one of them was that kick return. They scored six points on offense against the Vikings defense uh, on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That's awful. Against, against the Vikings defense that we just talked about, it's not very good. It's not the Viking defense from three, four, five years ago that was good. Yeah. It's just, it's just it, it's awful. And Matt Nagy, he's another one that's supposed to be an offensive genius. You know, I think it's more on the GM than on him, but he hasn't done a great job either. No, he hasn't. You know, they can't – they don't have any offensive line, so they can't run the ball. Um, they have Allen Robinson, but they don't have a quarterback. They missed out on that big time. But, like, you know, when's the last time the Bears have actually had a franchise – you know, I know they had Cutler and Grove, but, like – I'm not counting Cutler. I'm not counting Cutler. I, well, yeah, Jim, Mc, Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon was the last time they had a franchise quarterback. Which was in the 80s. Like that's Yeah, when they won the Super Bowl in 85. When they won the Super Bowl in 85. Yeah. Like they haven't had a franchise quarterback since then. Calder probably the best one, pretty much. So since then, so they they've had that problem for a while, and you know we'll see what they do all this off season. But Packers went big. We got the Monday night game between the Seattle Seahawks and the struggling Philadelphia Eagles, and this isn't going to be pretty for the Eagles. I think that uh, Seattle will do whatever they want on offense. I think they'll be able to run the ball. 
with with uh, I think Chris Carson should be back, so they'll be able to run the ball with him and Carlos Hyde. And I think my boy DK Metcalf is going to wish the Philadelphia Eagles took him two years ago because he's going to have a just like in the playoff game when he made the game winning catch against them. He's going to have a huge game against that Eagles secondary. I don't care if Darius slays on him. Uh, Russell Wilson get him the ball. I think the Seahawks score over thirty points in the game. I think the Eagles do a little bit against the Seahawks defense because they'll have Zach Ertz back. I think Miles Sanders is, is decent in the past game. Maybe, you know, Carson Wentz has a decent game, a better game than he's had because the Seahawks defense isn't great. Maybe it's a better game than he's had the last couple of weeks. But I got the Seahawks winning by two scores. I got the Seahawks winning 34-20 over the Eagles. Yeah, I got Seattle 35-24 as well. And I saw the stat yesterday, which is pretty crazy. So Carson Wentz has 18 of the 20 Eagles turnovers. So you take, you know, the two other turnovers out of it, the Eagles. Carson Wentz by himself would rank third highest for a team right now. The wow. the Cowboys and um, I think it's Jacksonville. It's like 23-21 for Jacksonville and, and um, or think yeah, Jacksonville the Cowboys or Jacksonville. It's Jacksonville Broncos and then Carson Wentz. So he's third ranked, you know, if he was his own team, which is insane. Um. Which is, you know, which is bad. I, again, I think it's still probably, you know, I think, you know, they'll be able to, I think, be able to get some offense going because Seattle's defense is not very good. Um, but they're not going to be able to stop Russell Wilson this offense. It's, it's going to be over. I never thought I would say this, but the way Wentz is playing, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Hurts. And seeing their schedule, I wouldn't be shocked if we, if we saw Hurts in the middle of December. No, you know, I, I wouldn't. They got to do something. They got to make a move or do something. Yeah, it's, um, it's, Oh, I, I saw it was it was last Wednesday night I saw um, it was an NFL executive. He was anonymous saying, I think, you know, Carson Wentz is just mentally defeated out there. Just watching Nick Foles lead his lead his team to a Super Bowl and then watching Jalen Hurts get drafted in the second round and your team kind of not helping you out, but trying to land another quarterback. That's what, you know, it, he's probably not all. He's probably not wrong, you know, Um it just seems like he's regressing week in and week out. Yeah, I could completely see that happening. I mean, just yeah, we have that great MVP season in 2017. Then you're not you're not on that level in 18 or 19. You're still decent, but you're not on that level in 18 and right and or 19. And then this year, it's just all falling apart, especially with the draft pick of Jalen Hurts. So I could definitely see see this being mental for Carson Wentz. And it's if it's with the cat with the dead cap hit the Eagles have, it's gonna be very very hard to get out of that get out of that contract it's going to be really hard for the Eagles to do that. So they're in a terrible situation right now with Carson Wentz, but we got, that's going to wrap up the NFL talk and we got to go to the NBA. We'll quickly talk about some of the moves in the NBA uh, over the last week. Cause obviously free agency started on uh, Thursday and it's been going to build big moves all week. But one, one injury we did have big injury again was clay Thompson tearing his Achilles and missing the higher 2021 season. He missed the entire 2019, 2020 NBA season with a torn ACL a huge loss for the Warriors and really a loss of, that takes the Warriors out of championship contention. I think the Warriors are going to be a, you know, a, a good team this year, but I, I don't see them getting past the second round. I mean, Steph Curry is obviously still an outstanding player, but if you look at the supporting cast, Oubre is decent. Wiggins is good, but he's not as good as people thought he was going to be. Uh, Draymond Green's past his prime and James Wiseman's only a rookie. So I just don't see the Warriors going far. Be, it's, the Warriors being a championship contender without, uh, without Clay Thompson. Yeah, it's it's tough to see, you know. The guy like this would be out for, you know, like two and a half years we're gonna see him. Um not be on the floor. You know, he's one of the 
best shooters in the league, you know, him and Curry together. Um, yeah, it's totally unfortunate that he's had another big injury here, another season-ending injury. Um, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I think their championship odds, I think, went from, like, 18-1 to, like, now 101. It, you know, um, it, you know, it's going to be tough for them to try to make a, um, a run now. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, they're definitely still a playoff team. They definitely still won a series, but yeah, it's they you know, they're not they're not good enough anymore to beat the Lakers or the Clippers in, to get up in that you know to get over the hump in the Western Conference. Unfortunate. Absolutely not, absolutely not. But we got to get to some guys who uh, signed who, who who got locked up this week who signed extensions, not free agents, but big time players who signed extensions. One was Donovan Mitchell. I mean, totally deserved. I mean, the guy was uh i mean guy had 250 point games five years 195 million the guy had 250 point games in the playoffs this year averaged 36 points a game in the playoffs this year he is the jazz best player since Carl malone he's a better player than john stockton too so he is he's a great player and the jazz are really lucky to have him locked up uh the jazz did a good job locking him up for five years oh definitely yeah, he's been so fun to watch and he's coming from Get drafted from Louisville. Um, he's been a huge part of the Jazz and getting him to the playoffs. You know, hopefully now he can take him to the next step. Um, but yeah, he's been a terrific player so far for the Jazz. It's great that great to see him locked up with Utah. Got Jason Tatum, same contract, five years, 195 million. Obviously, he's the Celtics' best player. I even said it once they signed Kemba to go to go far. Jason Tatum has got to be your best player. But when they when they got rid of Ky, when they didn't re-sign Kyrie and they signed Kemba, I said if you're going to go far, he's got to be your best player. And he was last year. And the team got to the Eastern Conference Finals. He averaged 23 points a game, had an outstanding year. And the Celtics got a, got a player for a great player for years with Jason Tatum. Yeah, they do. Um, you know. They got kind of, you know, they, they got a great mix right now. Um, kind of young, kind of young core with them, you know, Jalen Brown as well with them, you know, Kemba. And, um, but, but yeah, you know, he is, he is their best player. Um, he's definitely the guy that, you know, they want to get to that finals. He's the one that's got to lead them. He had another terrific year this year. He's been another fun one to watch for, for the Celtics. I know, you know, Celtics fans love him. Um, you know, Obviously, great move by the Celtics to keep him in Boston. They need him. Last move was Bam out of bio, five years, 195 million, got a max deal. Deserved. I mean, yes, he doesn't score a ton of points, but he's great on the defensive end. Remember that block he had in the Eastern Conference Finals? That was outstanding. This guy's clearly the second best player on the Heat. And when the Heat give a guy this kind of money, you know what they're doing because they're the best organization in the NBA. Oh, yeah. You know, and he fits the Heat mold so well, too. Um, as you said, you know, he's not. He's not, you know, he's not going to put up 30 points a night, but he's, you know, he's, he'll put up enough. And then, yeah, he's so great on the defensive end. Um, he's another one that's so fun to watch. Um, it was a great pick by them. Um, great to see him stay in Miami. Him and Jimmy Butler are a nice duo down there in uh, South Beach. Absolutely, absolutely. That's going to be fun to watch for the next couple of years. We'll go to the free agents and, and uh, Brandon Ingram. Five, they, they, the Pelicans did a good job signing him. Five years, $158 million, gave him a max deal. I like this Pelicans team. They signed Steven Adams. They got uh, Zion. Uh, Zion. They got, uh, obviously, Delonzo uh, uh, Ball, uh, Eric Bledsoe. I really like this Pelicans team. I think they're a playoff team. Uh, you got Fred Van Fleet signing with the Raptors. This move with Van Fleet pretty much was, you know what? They couldn't let another franchise player go. I think Van Fleet had a really good year last year. He's obviously not, it's not Kyle, Kawhi Leonard, but you, but you have to, you know, 
yeah, I think they had to resign him. You can't let two players, two really, two one great player and one really good player go for nothing. Uh, the uh, the Hornets with Gordon Hayward. Here's 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 my thing about that deal with, with the Hornets. Uh, pretty much that deal makes them better than the Cavs, the Knicks, and the Pistons. It doesn't make their team that much better. I like Gordon Hayward, but that's a lot of money for a player that's not going to make make. I, I, to be honest, the Hornets are not a playoff team until Lamelo develops. The Hornets are not a playoff team. What's your take on? <coughs> on those three moves yeah uh, i'll start the hayward that that one was very um shocking you know to to the hornets you know um i, I guess i don't know jordan i don't know um because yeah it doesn't make them a playoff team it you know it it doesn't yet um that that was a questionable one to pay him all that money um i was really really surprised by that move i didn't really like the move but i, I guess Jordan's trying to move the needle somehow in Charlotte. I don't trying to get some excitement, maybe, but again, I still don't think they're a playoff team. Um, Fred Van Vliet, yeah, um, definitely like that move. They had to, yeah, you, you know, what's what's it kind of saying the fan base? You lose back to back stars in two off seasons. Um, wouldn't it be great? So definitely really smart to keep him. He had a, another great year, and then. Um, Brandon Ingram, yeah, you know, that Pelican team we saw towards the end of the stretch was Zion brought to that team. They all could stay healthy. Ingram was elite in score. Um, that Pelican team's definitely in contention to get to a playoff spot. Yeah, and, and Earth to Stan Van Gundy, don't make the same mistake that Alvin Gentry made. Play Zion the proper minutes. Do, yeah. do not do not do what Alvin Gentry did. That's what got, obviously got Alvin Gentry fired. Play Zion proper minutes, and that team will be a playoff team. They won't miss the playoffs like they did last year. But – you know one team that was a busy in free agency? That was the Hawks. They mm-hmm. signed uh, Delino Gallinari and your man, uh, Boren Bagdanovich. Uh, the, the Kings didn't want – Gallinari was three years, 61.5 million. And uh, Bagdanovich, the Kings didn't want to – the Kings didn't want to match his uh, four-year, $72 million deal. How do you feel about that? Well, um, the problem – well, the thing was like, they wanted to. They were trying to get – they were trying to trade away Buddy Heald so that they could sign – Bogdan because they just so they can match um, Bogdanovich's contract because they just signed Fox to the Mac deal so they're kind of running out of cash space there um, but they couldn't because they destroyed Buddy Heel's trade value because Luke Walton doesn't know how to use him and doesn't play him so they couldn't ship him off Buddy's not happy about it because Buddy wants to be traded um, I know Bogdan wanted to go elsewhere anyways um, he was over it's 18 million it's a little bit over paid paid for him but again he's a solid three-point shooter and he's gonna spread out the floor for you um that's why i was kind of hoping the sign of trade was gonna go over with the bucks because we would have got something back for him now he goes to atlanta and we got nothing for him um so it's disappointing i did like bodon Don, bodonovich um he's a solid player i liked him at the wing um it, he could play the two as well but it's disappointing you lose him for nothing because he's a solid player and you know he's well respected here in Sacramento. I'm gonna, or out in Sacramento, I'm gonna miss. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna miss him. He's solid three point shooter for us last year. Or his last years. We'll stay in California and talk about the teams in Southern California. Both their moves, the two LA teams, the uh, Lakers and the Clippers. First, the Lakers, and this move definitely hurts the Clippers. The Lakers sign uh, Montrezl Harrell to a, a two year, nineteen million dollar contract, and. To, to be honest, I don't know what the Clippers are really doing here. I mean, I, ever since they fired Doc Rivers, I think this organization has gone backwards. They, they hired Tyron Lue, who is not half the coach Doc Rivers is. That's going to be an issue in the playoffs. 
especially you know in the in in, in the uh, conference semis that they can't get past, or even the first round of the playoffs. They're definitely going to be in a coaching mismatch there. Now you don't resign one of your, you don't resign one of your better players, even though he didn't play well in the playoffs. He, only, he averaged 18 points a game in the regular season. Was rusty in the playoffs, getting to the bubble, only averaging 10 points a game. I think get, he was kind of there late. He wasn't really himself when when he was playing there, but you know. You, you, you let the Lakers get Montrez Harrell. He's going to help that Laker team out the bench. You know that. And uh, they end up, and then they end up signing uh, Marcus Morris to a four-year, $64 million deal. So the Lakers get a better player, much cheaper than the Clippers. That just shows you the, that the Lakers are just the superior organization in L.A. I don't care. if the, I like Kawhi Leonard. I don't care if the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. They are not beating the Lakers. I'm sorry. These, these, these were really bad moves. This offseason has been a terrible offseason for the Clippers, and the Lakers, and the Lakers are just getting better. Yeah, yeah, that was shocking. Because, yeah, Harold's only – it's two years, $18 million. Like, give him the extra $2 million to stay in town, you know, especially going to your crosstown rival that you never have success against. I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's such a puzzling move. And, yeah, what's it kind of telling your organization? Well, yeah, we're, we're you know, we're going back, you know. You, you know, you lose one of your best players off the bench. The Lakers team that, yeah. They needed um, depth off their bench, and he has that for him. Um, it definitely makes the Lakers even better, and it's definitely a move that's going to come back and cost the haunt the Lake or I mean haunt the uh, Clippers out. Um, and then adding Morris, it's another solid addition for him. You know, they needed more besides Davis and LeBron. Um, no, more Morris, Morris uh, signed with the Clippers. Oh yeah, that's all. I'm sorry. Yeah, I. Um, for, yeah, like you know, I, I that makes it even more um, questionable because why don't you just pay Harold the extra money? You know? I know. I don't, it's just it's a puzzling move. I, I don't know. It's not like you know, Morris isn't. He's good, but he's not. You know, it, it's not like I don't know the star here. Oh, oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. I just think the Clippers made puzzling moves, and they have continued to distance themselves from the Lakers, but. We got to get to college football. And before we get to the rankings, and there's some controversy in those rankings, we know that. Uh, unfortunately, Nick Saban, for the second time this year, uh, came down with uh, COVID 19. Very unfortunate. We hope he's doing fine. The difference is they've already announced that he, just like you remember during the Georgia game, he ended up coaching the Georgia game. He's not going to coach the uh, Auburn game, which is a good move. Uh, it, it's a good move. We just hope Nick Saban is doing well. We hope for him and his family during this Thanksgiving holiday that Nick Saban is doing well. Yeah, definitely. Um, hopefully he gets be recovery because the first one in Georgia it ended up being a false positive they said um that's what it ended up being so this yeah um this time definitely sounds like you know he's got it he's got mild symptoms so yeah hopefully you know him and family stay healthy and you know he's back on the field I think it's a 10 day he's got it so he's not out of the question for next Saturday's Arkansas um at the moment but it depends how you know how everything goes so hopefully he's back on the sidelines next week Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to get to the rankings and I would say the first, you know, eight, to the top eight, I think was maybe a little bit of controversy with the uh, Clemson and Ohio state because Ohio state hasn't lost and Clemson didn't lose a game. But as you if you watched Ohio state the other day against uh, Indiana, they were not great in that game fields through three picks. They gave up 35 points. 
I honestly, I think the committee thought that Clemson was the better team, which I can understand there. And uh, obviously the top four, Clemson, Notre Dame, and I mean, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State, and five and six are A&M in Florida. I think people pretty much agree with seven, Cincinnati. You've been all on them all year, Justin. You've been on them all year. They're, they're undefeated. They, the committee got it right there, having them number seven, number eight, Northwestern. I'll admit last week when me and Joe were kind of arguing over Northwestern Wisconsin, <laughs> Joe was right on it. You, you and Joe were right on about Northwestern. Uh, you know, I because I, I had seen Northwestern once. I wasn't totally impressed. But last week, I definitely was impressed with Northwestern. I think their defense played really well. And I think Peyton Ramsey is a pretty good quarterback, too. So uh, Northwestern definitely, definitely won my respect uh, last week. But here is where this thing went completely wrong. How the heck is Georgia number nine? They lost two games, two games. But I know they lost to Florida and Alabama, but they lost two games by double digits. And they're number nine. And BYU is undefeated. I know BYU's had an easy schedule, but and they're number fourteen, and and all all and the committee of the, the selection, the chairman of the selection committee, all, the only reason he had for BYU being uh, number fourteen was strength of schedule. That's weak. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was an absolute joke because you can look at it, Clemson, Ohio State, right there, for instance, the eye test. Well, Ohio State didn't look good, you know, against um, Indiana Saturday. But then his son has said, well, because he put Clump, the committee chairman put Clemson three because, yeah, they didn't play well against BC, but they were missing a bunch of pieces on defense. And they ended up coming back and they didn't have Lawrence against Nordane on the road. So there's an instance of where they use the eye test. Where is the eye test for BYU? Because uh, they've blown everybody out. You know, um, their closest game was Texas San Antonio. That was seven points. Other than that, they've blown everybody out of the water. And the thing was, too, that I hate how he brought up the strength of schedule thing because BYU, I believe their first five to six games were all against power five teams. So they, you know, and just again, this year they had to switch their whole schedule around. They just had to find teams no matter who it was. And, and it's like, you're penalizing for something that really out of their control because you know, none of the conferences wanted to play non-conference games. So yeah, it's such a terrible spot for BYU if, if they're evaluating on the eye test that and I don't know what they're watching um that, that I I that was such a bad bad spot for BYU to be in I couldn't believe it and the Georgia one yeah it's it's SEC bias it you know they they love the SEC we've seen it for years and it continues look and, 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 and there's Joe's comment you have to beat the teams you play which Cincinnati and BYU have done Georgia has and he's under and Joe's right about that I mean you can't yeah, you can't be penalizing a team that's beating the teams they have to play and then rewarding a team for be, for losing to teams. I don't care if they lost to really good teams. They lost to those teams by double digits. They're not deserving of being the number nine team in the country. That's ridiculous. No, they're not. And they're they're not. You know, they just beat a Mississippi State team by a touchdown. They gave up 24 points to a Mississippi State team that hasn't been able to score besides LSU this year. And that's supposed to be the most dominant, one of the most dominant defenses in the country and I did not see that Saturday night you know like yeah this you know this team has not been you know this team has not been married number nine they they I had them believe at like 13 or 14 um with BYU sitting right now again yeah they they they've lost games you know they they have two losses they're somehow sitting up there at number nine I it, it's SEC bias which usually always happens anyways but yeah that was I did I did not like Georgia sitting there, but they're number nine. They don't deserve, they don't no. they're not deserving the number nine team right now. 
No, and there's no way they should be. They should be ahead of a Miami. There's no way they should be ahead of Indiana. Indiana, who's number twelve, I think they got robbed there. I think Indiana got robbed there. I think they were watching some. You know, they were they were thinking about that Penn State game and count and pretty much counting that as a loss because Indiana got robbed at number twelve. How is Indiana below uh, Oklahoma, who has two losses? You know, Oklahoma has played well recently. Oklahoma has two losses. And obviously Georgia with two losses. I don't get that either. Indiana should be definitely. I think even though Indiana lost to Ohio State, I think Indiana should be in the top ten. I think Indiana and BYU should be in the top ten. Definitely, because you know I think the thing for Indiana too is is um they were down thirty five seven at one point. Most and Pitts Junior played really well. Yeah, most teams would have quit. Yeah, but yeah, that's what yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say. Most teams would have quit and lost by fifty to Ohio State, but they came back and they had a chance to go down the field and tie to tie up the game, go to OT. You know, that, that like, yeah, like, again, it's just, it's disrespect again. I, you know, and I think that one's part of Indiana doesn't have the brand name of Georgia. It doesn't bring. It's ridiculous though. It's, Their quarterback almost brought them back to beat Ohio state. Yeah, I know. It's, and I'm surprised too, because the ch- committee chairman too is the Iowa AD. So you would think he would have been putting a good name out there for the big 10, but I guess not. Um, which, yeah, it's another one. I, I, you know, Indiana's played well. This is, you know, they go down by – they lose only by a touchdown to Ohio State at the big house. Um, it's, it's really impressive. And trust me, I would not want to be Maryland this week because Tom Allen's going to have these guys very, very angry about, about that ranking. It, that's another bad, bad um, job I can right there with Indiana. Yeah, he, he sure is. He, he absolutely is going to have those guys ready to go. But we're going to get to the games this week, and we're going to start with the Friday games. And a big game in the Big 12 on a Friday at noon as uh, Iowa State heads down to Texas to face uh, – to, down to Austin to face Texas. And in, in, in this game, I think that, you know, I think Ellinger is better than Brock Prudy, but I think the difference in this game is going to be the running game, the running game with Hall of, uh, of uh, Iowa State. I think that's going to be the difference in this game. And that's why I'm going to have – I'm going to have uh, – I'm going to have Iowa State win this game. I got Iowa State win this game close over Texas. Yeah, hey, I'm with you. I'm going to take the Cyclones. Um, this one would pretty much put them in the driver's seat. I believe to get you know, to um, first time ever go to the Big 12 championship game. Um, be their first chance to have a to win a champ, conference championship since 1912. So um, I think Breezy Hall leads the country in rushing. I think he does enough. I think they keep Texas' offense off the field, which – Sam Ellinger's been playing better. His last two games, seven touchdowns and no interceptions. He's been better. I think the team's getting a little bit better. They've been off, though, for three weeks, which worries me. It's going to be a 20-day layoff since the last time they played. we've seen them up in West Virginia. Um, I think, you know, Texas can get a ground game going. They use three backs. Um, but I think I was – I really like the way Matt Campbell's got this Iowa State team playing. I'll take the Cyclones on the road, 31-28. Huge game on Friday in Chapel Hill as North as Notre Dame heads to Chapel Hill to face North Carolina. And I think this is going to be a great game. I think North Carolina is going to give Notre Dame a scare. I think North Carolina has been playing really well on offense. They've been scoring over 40 points in their last four games. And I think their offense gets in the 30s against Notre Dame's defense. I don't care how good Notre, Dame def- Notre Dame's defense is. I think North Carolina's offense has a day. I think with they run the ball with, with Williams and Carter. I think uh, – uh, uh, their quarterback, Sam Howell, he has a he has a good day too. I think North Carolina has a really, really, really big, big day. And I think Notre Dame has a big day too. I think Notre Dame is a, they run the ball all over North Carolina. This is a I know Ian Book has a good game. I think this is a high scoring game, but I got Notre Dame close over North Carolina. Yeah, this is I want to pull the string out of North Carolina, but I just I I think North Carolina defense is gonna have a tough time slowing them down, 
just slowing them down. Um, Notre Dame can do out two starting offensive linemen. One of them, um, Jarrett Patterson, who's been a four-year starter for the Irish. Yeah, he broke his foot, and he's out for the next few weeks. So I think that's a huge loss. There are two guys, as we've seen how good their offensive line has been, it's so dominant. Um, but, yeah, you know, the thing is, if Notre Dame can stop the big chunk played by Sam Howell in this, in this North Carolina offense, they have a really, really good shot at it. To win in this game um they gotta stop that two-headed monster in the backfields both guys have over um Devontae williams and michael carter both have over 800 yards rushing they do it all in offense this is such an exciting offense to watch but i you know again i, I think nordane this year does take it i think they pull i think they pull this one out um 38 35 we got a the civil war as uh, Oregon and Oregon State face off this week, and uh, Oregon's undefeated. Uh, Oregon State's one and two, and I think Oregon wins this game, and I think they win it big. I think Verdell is a big game on the ground. I think that their tackle, which is the, the hot the prospect, is probably going to the Bengals. What's his name? Penny Sewell or yeah, Penny Penny Sewell. Yeah, Penny Sewell. He, we know now he's probably going to go to the Bengals. I think he, he gives he gives the quarterback protection, and I think that uh, Oregon wins this game. Oregon State. I know it's a rivalry game, but they're just not a very good team at one and two. I got Oregon winning this by three scores. I got this one. I got it close. I think. Well, um, you like you like these rivalry games. Yeah, I do. I think you know going um, Oregon State. I think keeps it close. I don't know if you've heard. Of, you know, in Corvallis, I knew. I don't know. No, if you've no, heard I, Jamar I, Jefferson. No, I haven't. It's One of the best unknown running backs in the country. Really? He's um, good? Yeah, averaging 7.2 yards per carry. He already has almost um, – four. he has 450-yard rushing in three games. Um, first game – or first play last week, went for a 75-yard rushing touchdown. He's really good, 5'10 back, 217. Um, yeah, you know, and then Joe put up there, Michigan, Michigan State. <laughs> I could, you know, because Oregon hasn't been playing the best football. You know, and I, they admitted it last week, you know. Um, he said, you know, we're not playing great. You could see it in the ranking. They were ranked 15th. They haven't been playing their best football. You know, Oregon State's lost 11 of the last 12 meetings in the series. The thing that worries me and why, you know, I'm kind of sticking with the Ducks here is um, Oregon State's quarterback, Tristan Gabber, has not been great. Two touchdowns, three interceptions so far in three games. I haven't really liked the way he's played. And I like the way Tyler Shaw's come in, up for Justin Herbert this year. And I'm going to take the Ducks. They'll pull it out 35-28. And I don't know, if, too, the Beavers have one of the craziest turnover things. They, they have the turnover chainsaw. Really? And I know they're, I know they're, that's a tough place to play when there's fans. Yeah, it is. You know, um, they usually play hard. Jonathan Smith, I think he's like the, their head coach, I think, is the all-time leading passer, second or third, I think, in Oregon State history. So um, he's going to have them ready to play. Um, but I think the Ducks have a little bit too much in this one. We got. We're going to the Saturday games. We got a Big Ten matchup of two good quarterbacks in, in Indiana. As uh, as uh, Michael Penix and uh, Indiana come off of he's coming off a big week, even after a loss, faces a uh, uh, to his brother and Maryland. And uh, to, to his brother played well in the, last, the Maryland's last two games, but Maryland's last two games have been called off due to COVID. But in his last two games, to his brother has played pretty well, and I think this is going to be a. a yeah, I think this is going to be a game where Indiana wins by a couple scores, a high-scoring game, but I think Michael Penix and then Indiana defense is going to be too much for two his, to his little brother. And I got Indiana beating Maryland by a couple scores. Yeah, I got Indiana, a very angry Indiana team winning this one, 42-27. Uh, to 27. Um, I think Maryland's going to be able to make some plays, excuse me, offensively. 
um, just because Indiana's offense, or I mean, Indiana's defense has is not great. Again, um, Talia Tagovailoa had made that Northwestern game, which we saw that defense, that ferocious defense, forced him a three interceptions. I could see him throwing two to three this week. Just you know, look, Indiana forced Fields to throw three, three interceptions. You know, this Indiana team could they find ways to create turnovers. I think they're going to do the same thing Saturday. Um, I think these guys are angry. They have not been able to run the ball with Stevie Scott. Maryland's defense, as, as we've seen, um, they can't stop the run. I think Northwestern ran for like 370, 370 on them. You know, we saw Minnesota run for almost 300 against them. I think, you know, this, I don't think Indiana's going to run for 300, but I, I think they will get over 100, 150, and Indiana bounce back and get another one. We got the Iron Bowl as Auburn travels to Alabama, and I think that Alabama's getting revenge this year. Bo Nix has been very inconsistent on the road. He was bad at Georgia. He was bad at at, uh, at South Carolina, and I don't think he's going to be good at Alabama either. I think this game is going to be a blowout. I think that Najee Harris is going to have a big day on the ground. The Heisman frontrunner, Mac Jones, is going to have a huge game getting the ball to Devontae Smith, and I got Bama winning this game, and I got them winning it by 30. I got them destroying the Tigers in this game. Yeah, I got 41 to 20. Now, I think Alabama's going to get killed, but I think it's Steve Sarkeesian that's going to get the head coaching gig for uh, saving this week. He is. He is going to, I think. Um, but, yeah, yeah, the Bo Nix numbers. On the road this year, two touchdowns to four interceptions, and at home, eight touchdowns to one interception. I don't know why that's a, a huge difference. I you know. Um, it, but, again, it was the same thing last year. I don't think he threw an interception on the road or at home last year, and I think he threw, like, eight or nine on the road last year. Like it's, it's been the same story for him. And again, remember last year, Auburn had the polos went out with two trick plays. They were at home and then they had that uh, cheap penalty. So um, Auburn had to survive last year to beat them. Again, it's definitely Alabama's revenge game. And the thing is about Najee Harris is he's not getting, you know, cause I know Mac Jones and Devontae Smith have been so good, but like for all the Alabama running backs that have come out, I just think, you know, we just take for granted because he's been so good. Um, just a, he's another big, powerful back that has come through the Nick Saban system. And Alabama wins this thing big at Brian Denny Stadium, 41-20. Matchup of undefeated teams in the Pac-12 as Colorado uh, heads to USC. And I think this game is another blowout. I think that uh, I think Colorado is an up-and-coming team, but I don't think they're on USC's level. And I got a USC winning this by a couple scores. I think the Buffs keep it close in this one. I don't know what to expect from the um, from the Trojans. You know, they forced five turnovers last week against a Utah team that hasn't played. But then that Arizona team they should have destroyed because Washington was up 45 nothing last week at, uh, going in the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know what to expect from this, from the Trojan team. And Colorado runs the ball really, really well. Um ja- um, Jarek Broussard right now, 300 yards rushing through two games. Um, he's a solid looking back. And then Sam Neuer, too. Um, he's played pretty well. I, I was surprised I've seen him play in UCLA. He's another guy that can really beat you with his, with his legs. I think, you know, Colorado keeps this thing close, but I don't think they're going to be able to go to, to the Coliseum and get a win. It's been Colorado's defense that's really that really worries me. They've not been able to stop the passing attack. To, they're ranked 121 right now. So I think Keevan Solvis is going to have a big day to um, Amari St. Brown and all those receivers. So I'll go to Trojan 34 28. 
Last game we'll talk about uh, LSU uh, heads to College Station to face Texas A&M. And I think, I think in this game, I think LSU might put up some points with Miles Brennan, but we all know pretty obvious LSU just isn't the team that even close to the team they were last year. I think that A&M has a big game. I think that uh, Kellen Mond has a, has a big game through the air. I think Isaiah uh, Spiller has a good game on the ground. I think that they score over 40 points and they beat, uh, and they beat LSU by at least two scores to stay in the race in the college football playoff. Um. Yeah, I get to say I'm 40 to 27. And um, Miles Brennan's actually out for the year. So it's. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, TJ Finley, this big six foot six oh, okay. uh, freshman quarterback who gotcha. looked a bit better last week. He didn't, was not, was shaky his first few starts. I thought he played better. I liked the way he played on the road in Arkansas last week. Um, we have not seen Texas AM play in a long, well, I get, you know, we haven't seen him play since um, November 7th when they absolutely destroyed South Carolina on the road. This Texas a and team's really found it. And, it, you know, Kellen Mond's been playing really, really well. Their old lines, they've only given up one sack on the offense. Their offensive line only give up one sack. They've been great at protecting them as well. And the thing has been, too, is all the weapons that Texas a and have, they're all sophomores. Um, they're all like freshman sophomores. Nine of the 11 guys that have caught a ball this year are all freshman sophomores. And I th- think one's a junior, one's a senior. So... It, you know, Texas A&M's got a lot. They got a lot of youth on this team. Um, it could be some rust early on in this game, but I saw a little bit of progress as well against LSU on defense for having so much time off. But they're not going to be able to slow down Kellen Mond the way he's been playing right now. I'll go uh, 40 to 27. All righty. Should be an interesting week in college football, but we got to get to college basketball. And unfortunately, locally, we had a, we had unfortunately an unfortunate story with COVID as one of the members of the UConn women's basketball team. I don't know if they haven't announced if it's a player or a coach or a manager uh, tested positive for uh, COVID-19. They've paused activities for 14 days. They postponed their first four games. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. And we just hope whoever it is in that program, we hope they're, we hope they're doing fine. Yeah, definitely. Um, Gino announced today or last night that it's not a player, not a coach. So it's probably a manager. Um, but yeah, definitely. You know, hopefully, um, whoever it is, healthy. You know, doing okay, gets better quickly. Um, and you know, hopefully, they get back on the floor soon because they got a lot of lot of talent this year. You know, Gino's got a very oh yeah, team. Page Page should be a really good player. I mean, Crystal Williams. Uh, you got uh, Olivia Nelson Adona. You, they, they're number three in the country. They weren't great last year because I, but this year I think they're definitely going to be better, and I, I think they're definitely going to be a Final Four team. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they're they're going to be fun to watch. Um, he's got like nine or ten girls, I think, this year. He's never usually this deep, or he hasn't in a while. Um, yeah, Paige Beckers. Um, again, she's already. I, I've seen highlights of her for the last few years. She is going to be one terrific player for, um, in Geno system. So yeah, you know, hopefully that you know, definitely this is another year Gino's got a, another great shot to win a title. Unfortunately, there were other coaches in college basketball who came down with COVID too. You've had Scott Drew of Baylor. Unfortunately, Baylor uh, withdrew from the uh, from the Empire Classic. They were going to play Arizona State tonight. Now Arizona State plays uh, Rhode Island, and uh, uh, Rick Barnes tested positive for COVID too. Uh, and they and they were going to play in the Jimmy V Classic. They withdrawn from that too. So just unfortunate news with both those coaches, but. Obviously, with everyone that has unfortunately passed, uh, tested positive with COVID, uh, the best to them. Yes, of course. You know, hopefully both the, both coaches get a speedy recovery and hopefully are back on the floor soon and, you know, with their teams and, you know, 
we'll be there healthy and doing well. All righty. College basketball begins tonight. It's already started. There have been games yeah. going on all day today, but the moment Justin's been waiting for is UConn basketball. And we got it. I'm going to, we got our UConn men's basketball preview for this season and UConn basketball last year had, a, had their best year that they had in four years. They, they really got hot. They, they finished uh, 19 and 12, 10 and eight in the American. Uh, unfortunately they've lost Christian Vitale, but they return uh, all the other, all the other starters. They return uh, Isaiah Whaley. Obviously they return James Boaknight. who's going to be their best player. Could potentially be a lottery pick. Uh, they return uh, Josh Carlton and they, uh, and, and they return uh, Jalen Gaffney. So, uh, uh, yeah, Joe, Joe just said to plug his article. We'll, we'll get that article on the website. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so they have a lot of guys returning uh, uh, with, for them this year. And here's my first question with this team. With Vitell leaving, who do you got uh, taking over the point guard duty for UConn this year? It's either going to be R.J. Cole or Jalen Gaffney. R.J. Cole. The, yeah, I was uh, guessing R.J. Cole. Yeah, it's either, you know, Jalen Gaffney, Corner Hurley said he was the biggest surprise this offseason at practice. So um, I think both of them are probably going to be the starters tonight, but I think it's going to be Cole running the one. The transfer from Howard, the lifelong UConn fan, he's been dreaming of being a Husky. Um, 21 point score is sophomore year at Howard. But again, I know it's Howard, but this, you know, I saw him play against Georgetown a couple years ago, put up 30 into Hoyas. Um, he's got great, great um, vision, great ball handler. Very good shooter. Um, again, you know, RJ Cole is going to fill that role very nicely. Uh, so right now you have a lot of guys, they have a lot of depth. I mean, Tyler Polly's back, uh, a cook, a cook, uh, Tyrese Martin. What's your projected starting lineup for the team? Right now it's tough because I go a lot of different ways here. I think with Polly kind of coming back, I don't think he's going to start tonight. and he's going to ease him back. So I'm going with Cole, Gaffney, Folk Knight, Whaley and Carlton. I think it's going to be the starting five. I think, you know, um, I think it's going to be something like that. I would probably maybe pencil and um, Polly coming up in the next maybe few games here. Um, but I think Hurley's going to ease them back into this thing tonight and not really take it. Cause again, they didn't have any, you know, secret scrimmages with anybody. They didn't have an exhibition. So I think he's going to try to ease them in there tonight. Um, and then I know, you know, I know you won't announce it tonight, but I think because of the way Gaffney practiced this offseason, um, I feel like in the way, you know, he started the final um, 11, 11 of the last 12 games, I feel like Gaffney will also be back in the starting lineup. What are you expecting? I know UConn fans have high expectation. What are you expecting from uh, RJ Cole and uh, Tyrese Martin this year? Do you expect them to be big contributors or just expect it to be guys? I mean, I think we probably expect more to RJ Cole because he has potential to start. But, like, what do you expect out of those two guys? Um, you know, with so much depth, you know, with this team, I don't think, you know, RJ Cole is going to have to be relied on to put up, you know, 25, 26 a night like he did at Howard. Um, so I think we're going to see him more as a distributor. Again, I could see him, you know, maybe averaging close to 12 points a game, you know, 12, 13, somewhere in that range, and then averaging like seven, eight assists. He's a great um, – he's great with the ball. He's got great vision. So I, I could see him being a really big piece of this offense. Um, you know, I know 13 points a game doesn't jump off the page, but with so much depth that they have, they don't really need him to be, um, you know, they don't need him to um, score – a, a, a ton, you know, it'd be great if you can, but, you know, not, uh, it won't hurt him. And then for Tyrese Martin, he's a guy last year that averaged 
13 points and eight eight rebounds a game. So he's a guy that's going to be sitting right around a double-double. Um, again, he fits Hurley's system so nicely. I think, you know, we'll see him in the starting lineup, you know, possibly. They just, you know, again, it's so it's so tough. It's just going to be who's hot and who's not, I think, all year for the start. You know, who's going to be a starter or, you know, who's in for the, you know, finish of the ball game. Um, but, again, he's a great hard-nosed defender. Um, he's, he's another guy that has great athletic, athletic ability. Um, decent shooter, very good rebounder, big guard. Um, but he's another guy. I think, you know, he's going to have an impact here. Um, definitely at the beginning coming off the bench, uh, but he'll be a nice piece. Um, excited to watch him. Looking at the big East, I saw your preview. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I think we know that Villanova's and Creighton are the two best teams, but you had UConn third. I'm a little surprised because in the last, you know, four or five years, they haven't even came close to finishing third in the American conference, but we know that Dan Hurley is changing the culture here. So you you really think they're gonna be you're gonna finish third? I like the optimism. I think so. And yeah, that's what my big concern is. Yeah, we haven't seen this team finish in the upper half of the American. So what kind of tells you that they can finish in the upper half of the, in the Big East? Now, Providence was picked third in the preseason poll. Actually, I had been watching Providence throughout the show. They actually look pretty good. They lost a lot. You know, they lost Alpha, they didn't they they lost Alpha Diallo, their top guy. Um, you know, which hurts, but David Duke comes in, you know, um, David Duke's a guy to watch out for. I think he'll be a first rounder whenever the 2021 NBA draft takes place. Nate Watson is a very solid big man, but then, you know, seeing Hall, they lost, they lost Powell. Powell. Powell's a big loss. Yeah. And then they just lost. I, um, somebody just tore the ACL a few weeks ago. So they lost some depth there. And Marquette um, obviously lost Marcus Howard too. Yeah, I think they're young. It's going to be interesting how they play this year. I don't know what kind of – if they're going to change their style. Um, they're going to be play bigger. Last year, they are really small. This this year, I think they're going to have a bigger team. So, I think there's a lot of kind of turnover here in the Big East in the middle of the pack. And I think that's where UConn, with all the depth and the pieces they have come back, can take advantage of that and finish in the upper half and finish third because, you know, there's – you know, these guys are – have a chip on you kind of a chip on the shoulder for the way it ended last year. You know, they thought they had a chance to win the American, you know, they rightfully so. I think you know, they, they did have a very good shot to win it. And I think, you know, they know that and they want to prove that, you know, they're, they're coming back to the East with a chip on the shoulder and they want to show that they do belong here back in the big East. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a big year for them. The first year in the Big East. Uh, we look at their schedule. Uh, obviously, we know what's going to happen against CCSU and Newhart. We don't need to talk about those games, but a game against Vanderbilt on uh, Tuesday night. What do you expect there? Do you expect, you know, how is Vanderbilt? Are they, are they, are they decent or what are, what are they? Um, preseason poll in the SEC, they were picked on um, 14. Oh, okay. So that should be another, I mean, yeah, with UConn, with UConn though, you never know, but that should be another win, yeah. right? They, they should be able to take care of business. It's a young team. Um, they got some talent coming to next year, but I think it's, a, it's an experienced team. Um, I'll see them tonight. They're playing Valparaiso, or they're playing Valpo Friday night, so I'll get a better read. But they do have Scotty Pippen Jr. Um, oh, nice, nice. Good to see his yeah. son. Nice. Good yeah. to see Scotty Pippen's son. So his kid last year as a true freshman averaged 12 points a game. He played well oh, really? as a true freshman. Oh, so, really? Wow. Um, he's going to be one of their better guys this year, so. They're young, and I think he's got a pretty good recruiting class coming in next year. So, um, young team that, again, I think is going to have a chip on the shoulder, but they don't play well, you know. That could definitely be one that's kind of, 
you know, a little tough for them, but they should be able to take care of business against Bandy. So we should be we should be sitting here when next week and they're three and out to start. Yes, we, yeah, we should be. Um, we should, you know, we'll see because they did have the quarantine a few weeks ago, so they didn't get back on the floor to Thursday. So um, definitely could be a little rust here for the first few games, but I think you're going to see that throughout the entire country right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be three and out. Talking about the entire country, we got two, four national programs going at it on a on a, on Tuesday night in the in the uh, in the in the Champions Classic. I think it's champion. Let's show it the Legends Classic, the Champions Classic, right? Yeah, yeah it's we got UConn their first and the Legends. Oh, UConn's in the Legends Classic. Okay, uh, we got a Duke against uh, Michigan State, and for Michigan State, I feel like I feel like Duke is you don't know because it seems with so many freshmen. Duke Duke Duke's best player is a freshman. They lost they lost to Cassius Stanley. They lost Vernon Carey. They lost Trey Jones. Michigan State they lost Xavier Tillman. They lost uh, Cassius Winston. So you kind of don't know right now. But I got a feeling the way the programs are, Michigan State's not really a one and done program, and I, I feel like they might be on in for a little bit of a down year. While Duke, I feel like it's still going to be a because they're they're they in Kentucky are the biggest one and done program. So I still I think they reload every year. That's why I, I think Duke wins this game. You know, um, now this is not being played in Chicago. Krzyzewski wanted to move this to Durham, North Carolina, but there's no fans at Cameron Indoor this year. So um, I don't think there's going to be, um, you know, any any intimidation for the Spartans. But I'm going to take the, you know, I'm going to take the Spartans on the road. Um, I really like this Rock Rocket Watts. He's going to run the point guard. Really good shooter. I think he's got one of the best names in college basketball. Joshua Langford's back as well. Um, guy's been injured the past two seasons um he, you know in the last year he played i think he averaged about 13 points a game i think if he can stay healthy he's gonna be an important piece aaron henry's back as well and then joey hauser the marquette transfer um i think he's up he could definitely be a guy that could be in the player of the year running um and then over for duke yeah they lost trey um trey jones at the point so it'll be interesting um i think it's gonna be jordan uh, gold Gold Wire is going to be the starting point guard, I believe. Jalen Johnson's a top top recruit coming in for um, for Mike Krzyzewski. He's a very good shooter, skilled passer. Um, again, I, I think he's definitely got it. me. You know, probably going to be a lottery pick at at the draft this year. Uh, Matthew Hurts back. We'll see how they play. You know, I don't I don't know if they're going to go with Mark Williams, another big five star center, or they're going to go small ball and put Matthew Hurt there at the five because um, Hurt's a really good three-point shooter. It's going to be interesting how Kusetsi sets up his lineup. They also have Patrick Tate coming in from Columbia. But I'm going to take Michigan State because I think, you know, I, I like the veteran kind of the mix here of Henry, Langford, and Hauser um, for the Spartans. Kansas and Kentucky. Uh, obviously, Kansas also has a bookie last year. Uh, Kentucky, had, again, they're a one-and-done school. they got a bunch of freshmen. The most notable, Brandon Boston Jr. He's projected to be a top three pick. But, you know, I'm not the biggest Calipari guy. I'm not the biggest Bill Self guy. I think they're both great recruiters, not the greatest greatest coaches. Yes, Hall of Famers just because of the way they recruited, but I don't think they're the greatest X's and O's coaches. But I'll take Kentucky close over Kansas. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, now, I, I'm going to take um, Kentucky in a close one. Very cool. I think it's like 75 to 70, maybe not even be that high scoring. Um, for the Jayhawks, Marcus Garrett's back running the point for him. Bryce Thompson, um, very, very good shooter coming in for Jayhawks. The piece that worries me for the Jayhawks is 
losing as a Buki. I think, you know, they have David McCormick, who played pretty well last year as a freshman. Now he's got to take over that five role. Um, you know, he's a little bit, you know, 6'10", 265, the big guy. I think, you know, if he can kind of step up more this year, I think he's a, he's a guy, too, that could um, hit a nice – he can shoot the ball as well. Um, they got um, Ochi Ajibui back as well. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and he played pretty well last year at three. Um, again, I know they're hoping he takes another step forward, but I know you talked about it, Kentucky, B.J. Boston, and um, definitely and Terrence Clark are going to be two of the top freshmen in the country. I know everyone's talking about Caden Cunningham um, for all the right reasons. He is going to be a terrific player, but Clark and Boston are going to be – right up there as best freshman in the year and even player of the year. Um, both those two guys are going to be good. And I think for Kentucky, too, Keenan Brooks Jr. is going to be out. Um, he wasn't great last year. He only averaged like four points a game, but I think he'll be out for this one. Um, but they also – they do bring in another fr- uh, transfer, Davion um, Mentz from Creighton, who's a very good shooter. Um, probably going to be the backup point guard to the freshman, Devin Askew. But – I'll take Kentucky to pull it out. Um, 70, I'll take it like 70 68. And then actually the last guy too is Oliver Saar. Um, from coming over from Wake Forest, um, almost averaged a double-double last year, 14 points and nine rebounds. I think he's going to be a big part of this Kentucky offense as a big man. Um, and, he's, and he brings experience as well um, for always a Wildcat team that's always on the younger side. All right, we're going to wrap the show talking a little bit of baseball. Charlie Morton signs with the uh, with the Rays uh, one year, uh, thirteen million, and the Yankees and White Sox will try it again at the Field of Dreams. Obviously, we know where that is, Dyersville, Iowa, where they shot the movie Field of Dreams. Great movie. I mean, we really don't have time to get into it, but still, uh, the White Sox and Yankees give another shot at the Field of Dreams, and the Braves added their pitching staff. Yeah, um, great move for the Braves to get another guy that's been so good in the postseason. Um, heck of a yeah, um, great deal for the Braves, and then and then uh, yeah, Field of Dreams. Hopefully, they can get it done this time because you know that was I was looking forward to that one. So hopefully, yeah, they can they can play this year. That's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J for Justin Anafrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking Week 13 of the NFL season and Week 14 of the college football season. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs>